secret to healthcare disruption? It's you. It's you. Are you ready to join hosts Jerry Durham and Andrew Rothschild in breaking down the healthcare status quo and creating a customer-focused experience? It starts with you. Time to break it. Let's go. Hello, and welcome back to the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. I'm Jerry Durham, and... Um, for all those people who were calling in worried about my sidekick, Andrew Rothschilds, he is back. How are you doing this morning, Andrew? I'm good, Jerry. Good to be back. Yeah. So um, as everybody knows, we've had a couple episodes of interviews, of short interviews, of long interviews, um, of which uh, Andrew was not part of directly, but as many of you know, his periscopes uh, a day or two after the healthcare disruption podcast has been really good. I like to call it his taking it back to the clinic or taking it back to the real world periscopes. So if you haven't seen those, go on his periscope and tr- are those still live? I still don't understand periscope fully. Yeah, it saves them now, and I can I can resend them out so I can keep uh, sending. Sending them out the the, um, the saved ones. All right, so good. So then. Um, you guys can go back and find some of those periscopes. And if you've listened to a podcast and you're not quite sure how it applies to your day to day, Andrew has been doing an awesome job uh, dialing that in. So um, what we want to do today is really dive into this. And, and I think it's it's significant. We want to dive back in and do a follow up discussion on the uh, Richard Zhao podcast and talking about physical therapists as the point of entry for low back pain in America. And when I first say that, I'm not sure what your first reaction is, but it's pretty much like, duh, I get it. We need to be, but it's more than that. It's, it's a simple, not easy solution. And it's probably doesn't need to be done in the way that you would process or you would think it needs to be done because it's definitely not getting, it's not in the manner that I thought would be best for us. Um, as the Fritz and Childs and Flynn and Waynards were doing busting their butts to get the research out to show that a people should get to physical therapy and is the right entry point for physical therapy. And we're also showing that people were not getting to physical therapy first. They did all the hard work. So we all sat there and looked at that and said, okay, simple enough. We just have to get people to come to us instead of the doctor first. But what, what does that mean come to us? At what point in the system do they need to come to us? And that's where the focus of this point of entry is. And Richard Zhao, um, as you guys found out, is someone I met on Twitter, worked at a worked at a very large insurer in America, working in the musculoskeletal division. So he understands the numbers of what we do. And by numbers, I mean visits, I mean cost. I mean, outcomes, I mean, all that stuff. So he understands the number side and he worked within the insurer. So he's bringing this perspective of this is what we have to deliver. And at what point to get the, to get the attention of the insurers. So that's what, uh, Andrew and I are going to talk about a little more in depth today. And Andrew definitely has some questions that I believe we can answer. And then I want to define some 
terms as we go on so that we're all on the same page and moving in the right direction. Because I don't know if you guys saw, I'm going to pull up this article, but the Lancet actually has a world disability index. Were you aware of that, Andrew? No. So the Lancet has a world disability index and low back pain has now moved up from 16 to number two on the world disability index. So that means in the whole world, we're not talking America. When I say world, I mean world. Even though sometimes when we say world in America, we just mean America. But it has become the number two disability in the whole world. So we as physical therapists, physiotherapists, have a huge problem to solve here. We hear the term population health, and this is a population health issue. So how are you going to address it in your city, in your community is huge. So when we think about low back pain, when we think about the right provider, at the right time it is physical therapy it has been shown in the research i will say in america to be the right entry point so we are beyond that discussion that is not the discussion for this podcast the discussion is the how part how do we develop the process what process do we need to make physical therapists the entry point for low back pain in america i think i beat that like a dead horse but that that's a that's a differentiation we need to make that this is about how to do it, not if to do it. And maybe a little bit of not when to do it because when to do it was last year. So I'd say we're already behind on doing this. So um, let me define some terms first because the original topic that Richard and I came up with had the term flip the funnel in it and Richard will get pretty in depth into this. I've seen the slides. We've gone over this talk for our PPS. Uh, we'll be presenting this at PPS and, um, the flip the funnel has to do with when you think about the bulk of people that come into the system, just envision a funnel in your head, all the low back pain people get shoved into the top, get, get, uh, shoved into the top of the funnel and um, we both have dogs, so you're going to have to deal with that, people. Um, we uh, shove everybody in the top of the funnel and say, come into this system wherever you want. And then they trickle out that little tip of the funnel into the right place, which is physical therapy. And again, Dr. Fritz um, proved this for us in her research when she showed that only 7% of all low back pain patients that get to a primary care doctor so who enter the funnel at primary care, only 7% drip down into physical therapy. And that was Fritch, Childs, Wainer, and Flint, Wainer, sorry, and Flynn who did that study. And that study was in 2012. It's damn near four years old from being published. It was published in December, two, sorry. Yeah, it was published in December, 2012. So these people go into the funnel, into the top, through the primary care providers, and then 7% trickle down to us. Now, a point I want to make here is this is 100% of the people who found their primary care provider. You think there might be a couple people sitting out of there who never go to a primary care provider? So the, this flipping the funnel is how to find not only those other 93%, but how to find the other 100% who never go to a primary care doctor. So wrap your head around that number. 
Um, so flipping the funnel means let's control the entry point. So instead of having the wide part at the top, let's flip that funnel over and have a very narrow part. So let's have the people enter the system through the right spot and then if needed, get to the other providers. And again, physical therapists have the training, we have the knowledge, we have everything we need to be the entry point. We know red flags, we know yellow flags, we know what's treatable. Jeff Moore um, can preach more research without ever looking at it than anybody I know to show you how to treat these people and how to get them better or not, by the way or not because our responsibility in this point of entry system is to get the people to the right provider at the right time. And we can talk a little bit about that as we get deeper, but that is the concept of flipping the funnel, narrow the entry point, make everybody come through the same place so that they can get to the right provider at the right time. And again, um, we, we got research all over. Uh, Dr. Fritz has worked on this research. Um, Childs, Fritz, Flynn, Robertson, George, Kim, Wu, Wainer, all showing that when they get to the physical therapist first, utilization goes down and cost goes down. I've got, you know, I've, I've got research to show this all. It's been done. We're not going to argue that. That physical therapy is the right place. Physical therapists are the right place. So that's that's actually the terminology of flipping the funnel. The patient calls you. The patient comes into your clinic and says, I have low back pain. Have you seen another healthcare provider for this issue? No, I called you first. Bingo. That's what we want to hear. Okay. That is the point of entry model. They call you first, they find you first, they end up in your office first, point of entry. A center of excellence, and now this is opposed to this other term that I've just learned recently. And um, David Porter talks about this a lot. And David Porter is an economist and uh, has been doing writings and talks on how to solve research since the early 2000s. And I tend to agree with his approach and he talks about creating centers of excellence. And this is, this is like for cancer and heart disease. And again, Richard talks about this on the podcast, where if you have cancer or you have heart disease and need heart surgery, you, you, you get on a plane and you fly to this center of excellence in Houston or the Mayo Clinic to be treated, to get taken care of, okay? That's a center of excellence model. That's kind of what we're trying to create or believe we've created at these, this time. I have this clinic. I treat low back pain patients great. Everybody needs to come to my clinic to get treated for low back pain. That's not going to work in this model, okay? Because... The entry point is so variable for back pain. The treatments are so variable that we have to control the entry point to say, no, you need to go here first. And by the way, controlling the entry point doesn't mean everybody goes to physical therapy. It means that it's controlled by a physical therapist. So if someone calls your clinic and they're not appropriate for physical therapists to see, then we get them to the right place. And this can be done with things like the start back tool. If you're not familiar with that, I want you to look that up because that is an awesome science proven screening tool that could be used by anybody in any physical therapist clinic answering the phone to get the patients to the right place. So this distinction between point of entry 
and a center of excellence is really, really important because when the, when the low back pain patient calls you, the point of entry, the gateway, you will get them to the right center of excellence is what I would like to argue. Right now, they're trying to find that center of excellence farther down the system. And with physical therapists as the entry point, we get them to the center of excellence. So I think I beat this dead horse, but I really want to clarify about what this means for everybody who maybe won't be able to attend the PPS talk. So let's, um, let, let's move on to some questions. I know Andrew has some questions. We can have a discussion. He can talk about his clinic. I can talk about mine. We can talk about, you know, things that are going on. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on this? physical therapy as the point of entry for low back pain. Well, I think, I think that's a really good clarification and I didn't even pick up on the complexity of that or the distinction between that enough um, listening to the, the uh, interview with Richard Zao. So that was really helpful to help kind of differentiate between what we're trying to do as the current model versus what maybe we should be doing with the point of entry. And then being that, that, that profession that is able to essentially be the gatekeeper for something like low back pain and to be able to determine, and that was the goal of direct access, right? To have that the differential diagnostic skills to be determining, hey, is this person the right person for us to be seen or do, do they need to be seen by another provider because they have something else going on that's just masquerading as a musculoskeletal condition. So I think that's a really nice distinction. And I think the other emphasis is that you know, we have to look at the current model is that we're getting the patients from other providers, like you highlighted, you know, we're getting them from the primary care doctors. And, you know, he, Richard had the same data, essentially, it was different data, but it had the same conclusion that Fritz et al. had found in 2012 is that he presented in a different way that 93% of patients with low back pain presenting to a primary care provider are not getting seen by a physical therapist, just as much as the, only the 7% are getting seen. So that's, you know, we talk about evidence-based medicine and sometimes the, re, the reproducibility or the re, repeatability of studies. That was a very repeatable uh, data right there. So that that's pretty uh, incredible. And the other part that I didn't even realize was that musculoskeletal care is number three behind heart disease and cancer as uh, in terms of healthcare expenditures in this country. Yeah, that is, that's a great point. Uh, and people really need to understand that, that we as physical therapists, and I'm going to keep saying this, we are, we are situated and set up to solve a huge issue. And that's musculoskeletal problems. And then that, that low back pain is 70% of all musculoskeletal expenditures. Right. So, and that's across all insurance industries. So we are set up to solve a big problem with treating low back pain. And like Richard pointed out, if you know, and I think even you pointed out, if that if we increase that number of that percentage from seven percent to eight percent, we'll be overly busy. We're not going. No one's going to be complaining about lack of patients. We're going to have to start hiring more people to to see the the, the volume of it. If we yeah, can get that be, turnaround, you know that that's that's what's always baffling to me. And this is has such a trickle down effect and. You know, we want to oversimplify. We want to simplify things to understand them. And I get it and talk about it. But one of my beefs is we never put the simple back into the complex system that we took it out of. So, yeah. So if we go from seven to eight to nine to 10 to 11 percent, then this problem of too many people, too many PT schools 
will cease to exist. Yeah. So the population is there. The system is ready to take all these great DPT students that we're turning out and utilize them to the top of their license. It's primed. Yeah. And that that's there's there's so much here of how this approach will will get will take care of people and we have the people ready to take care of them. Yeah, and I think and Richard alluded to it also is that I think maybe part of the problem is that we a lot of us understand who have read that research and seen the numbers, we understand that we're seeing such a low percentage of low back pain. And then the idea is, okay, so we, we need to target people and educate the people to come in and be, be the, uh, choose us as the provider of choice. But I think the first step we have to do almost, and let me know if you agree or not, is that we have to really believe that ourselves, right? If we're not on board, we're not going to be in, a, in the right position to present that to the public or to other providers. Yeah, I, I agree fully. And I've had this conversation with, um, remember, Richard is not a healthcare provider. And for argument's sake, he's not in healthcare. I mean, he's in the health insurance side and understands the numbers. So, Richard, it's interesting. When I saw the content he put together for the talk, he he addresses this directly, Andrew. So that that's a very valid point. And nothing in the talk is at my direction. Everything in the talk comes out of his knowledge, his research, and what he knows to be correct for driving this. And it is incredible how it falls into line with some of these, as I said, some of these more what appear to be outer issues until you step back and look at the whole picture. Like, we have to be ready for this. Are you prepared for a low back pain patient who woke up this morning with low back pain, who has some comorbidities? Are you prepared to get that patient and do what's right for that patient? And um, we've got to be ready for that. You are correct. I think most people are. And here's my opinion. And most people will be surprised to hear me say this. My opinion is if you're not ready to do this, then get the fuck out of the way and don't be a deterrent to it. Um, let us serve and solve a bigger problem. And if you're not prepared or want to solve a bigger problem, you may continue to work in the same capacity you are. No one's going to, no one's going to worry about you. So just, just stay out of the way. Cause I've seen people be a little vocal about this isn't for us. And people need to understand that get PT first is not about send everybody to PT to be billed for physical therapy. It is again, back to that point that we are trained at a level to get people to the right place. And that's what we need to be held accountable for. And that's a big part about what this is about. So that's a great point, Andrew. Yeah, I think the new, especially the new grads, the fresh PTs, the younger PTs, they're the ones and the ones who've been out for a few years, they're probably the ones who are more prepared maybe than the clinician who's been out for 20 years. I totally Because agree. they're set up for that in school. Totally agree with that. And I, I wasn't quite sure where you were going to go with that, but I totally agree. And I don't know um, what the thoughts of the people listening are, but uh, they, they are. I got out 24 years ago, 24-month program. I was so freaked out when I got out about sitting across from someone and doing exactly what we're talking about that I went and worked in acute care for five years to learn more of the medicine side of what are, you know, medicine, uh, pharmacology, all those things, because I was not prepared to be the entry point for a patient with low back pain. Yeah, and I, I believe the majority of people are right now. 
Yeah, I think that there are, and I think they're they're want they're wanting to be. They're 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 excited about it. They're wanting to get out there and and, and make that difference and shake things up a little bit and, and be there and take take on that responsibility. I think that's the, that's the big thing is people who've been out for a little bit longer have been used to a certain system. It's a little bit scary and maybe a little bit apprehensive about taking on that added responsibility potentially. So I think that's but it's a necessary change and it's a good thing. It's an important thing. Yeah, there, there's so much, as we mentioned, there's so much flow out from this thought process. Uh, PT is the point of entry, right? Then the, there'll be so many patients that, you know, I would argue we'd need more schools. So it changes the school argument. It changes the who's the appropriate, uh, you know, the three-year-out PT. It changes all these discussions. And it's just incredible, all, all the directions and questions that this raised in a good way. I think the right questions. So. Yes, I, I agree. Um, I, I, my other another big question I had was that, and, you know, changing gears a little bit slightly was that, you know, one thing Richard repeated multiple times was that how patient engagement is challenging. And I think any of us who have worked in... Say, say that again, Andrew, or you cut out just for a second. Sorry, uh, one thing that Richard had mentioned several times in the interview was that how challenging patient engagement is. Acknowledging patient engagement is difficult. I think anybody who's worked uh, for at least a little bit in the field understands that patient engagement is difficult. And so the qu big question I has, had is how do we go about doing that and it may be different in every community whether it's marketing to the physicians the primary care physicians themselves getting in front of the public with education sessions and in services social media and i think the other challenges is that this is sort of a long view type approach right in terms of changing the mindset of people seeking physical therapy or that we'll that we are the point of entry for things such as low back pain in that you'll do a lot of things but you're not going to get an immediate you, know, you may put out a video on youtube for example but you're not going to get a patient calling your office tomorrow it might be you get the patient who sees it who's not a patient yet or doesn't have low back pain yet who's not going to contact you for a year and so you don't see necessarily the the return on investment right away and i think for for a business-minded person sometimes whether it's private practice or larger, I think the, the um, temptation is to take the short view and be a little bit more short-sighted and look at what are the numbers coming in week to week versus saying these are things we have to do in conjunction with our other short-term marketing to build that, to change the mindset, to build the practice and uh, even a year from now or two years from now. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, the answer to that first part about the community, the doctors, the social media, the answer is yes. Here's, here's the thing, because you're right. You, you made awesome points in there, Andrew. You're right. The question, the only thing we have to look at is how we're prioritizing those and what drives what. Because right now, the majority of people, and by majority, I mean 95% plus, they throw the spaghetti at the wall. They, they're going to do all those things, but they don't understand how they're tied in together and they don't understand how one drives the other. So we're going to need to do those things with a more uh, marketing sales type approach. And again, the, the, these systems, these processes already exist. We just have to acknowledge they already exist and people outside of healthcare understand how to do this stuff. That's step number one, because otherwise you're wasting your money. 
You're, you're wasting your money if you don't understand how they're tied in together. And you can say, wow, that's a lot of money to do all that stuff. And I would argue what you've been doing in the past has cost you more because there's been zero ROI on it. You then have to measure things, which is funny. We're so data-driven. We're so evidence-based driven, but yet you won't acknowledge you have to measure the effects of this marketing program of which you can track most of this stuff. So all that is dead on and it's going to take work and it's going to be simple. It's not going to be easy and it is going to be somewhat hard. And the hardest part of it is shifting your mindset. So that is all dead on, dead on. And each community, I love the way you brought that up because that's going to be a big part of our talk is this is done in your community. And what Richard and I are going to talk about is how to pull all those communities together to show that we're delivering this value. So this is not about consolidating with a large group. This is not about selling to a large group. This is not about joining up. Oh, by the way, you could join your local hospital as a contractor and help them, but it's not about becoming an employee of a hospital. It's about a way for a lot of small communities across the country to join in and be a network per se and show the value and become part of a bigger group yet remain small. So that's the good news. And then because there, there is no office anywhere in the country that can tell you how to market to, sorry, how they can tell you how to market to your community, but they don't know the relationships you have. So it's all going to start with, like I said, you're going to look at how this stuff feeds into each other and you're going to look at the relationships you already have and you're going to build out from there. Um, so that was a great point. The second thing is um, that you brought up. Now I've forgotten. Hold up. Eh, I went so long on that. I forgot the other stuff, but you know, that, that, that's a huge point that you're going to, it's going to be community based. It's going to be all those things you said, and that is the only way we're going to attract these people. And, um, we have to start to attract them before they need physical therapy. And that, that was the second point sort of is that having to track them before they get physical therapy means you're going to put stuff out there, whether it's community education in front of people like uh, at, a, at a community center or at, at a club or at a, you know, um, di different uh, team sports teams, or if it's going to be on social media with a blog post on your website or a YouTube educational video or just, you know, content on Facebook, you're going to be hopefully reaching people, probably current patients and also all of their contacts, which will be reaching people that don't necessarily need your services right now, but a year from now and all of a sudden develop back pain, they might think, oh, I remember seeing that video uh, from that one group I really liked and they seemed like, and it's also putting yourself out there sort of as an expert. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to them despite what anybody else might recommend me. Cause I, I like what they had to say. I like, I like what they did. It spoke to me. Yeah. That's, um, that's so important. You know, I, when, when I think about doing things on the marketing side that are successful, the three keys I like to repeat are you have to be consistent so you got to be consistent with your messaging and your branding in your community. You have to be persistent. So you're going to get it out on a regular schedule every two weeks. Maybe it's an email. Uh, maybe it's a Facebook ad. Maybe it's a newsletter, a blog. You're going to be consistent with it. So you're going to have a calendar set up. So, so far, we're going to be consistent. You're going to be 
persistent. And then the last one, the biggest one, the hardest part is you're going to be patient uh, to your point. Exactly. Um, you know, Paul Goff, you guys have heard me talk about Paul. You've probably seen me um, do some things with Paul and Paul is good at all three of those. And Paul at this point, um, I believe, I, I believe what Paul say from the day you start this campaign, uh, like a Facebook campaign to start to brand yourself and brand the profession. Because remember, if you're branding your business and getting the word out, you're branding the profession. So three, you're doing three great things. If you incorporate this program, you're branding your business and yourself, you'll be successful. You're branding, um, the profession of physical therapy. So physical therapists, you're branding them and then you're branding all the other physical therapists or sorry, then you're growing the mindset of everybody around you. That physical therapy is the proper entry point for me in low back pain. So Paul says from the day you start doing this and mind you, the first three to six months and year are the most difficult part because you're building, building, building. Um, the ads you post today will not pay off um, or sorry, will start to pay off about three months later. Okay. So you want to talk about some patience. Yeah. You're not going to receive results of that stuff for three months. And it's building the awareness. It's building the brand. It's telling Andrew Rothschild who comes home from a hard day's work, who plays with his kids, who's been to the her soccer match, who comes home, who gets on his computer, who pulls up his phone, starts to scroll past and see these ads for, you know, what, you know, Joe Blow physical therapy in his community, you know, we can help you with your back pain and you scroll past it and you see it and you read it, but you think I don't have back pain. And then boom, three, four, five, six months later, you have back pain. That program that you've been seeing for the last three to six months, because you fit the demographic of, of Joe Blow physical therapy and you've been seeing their ads, you're now going to pick up the phone and I'm picking up the phone with my hand right now. And you're going to call Joe below physical therapy as your first stop for low back pain. Uh, I think that I think this is a really good point with the, the marketing part is that you're not just marketing yourself and your clinic, but you're also marketing the profession. And in a way, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a shout out to my colleague, Eric Jordy, real quick. It's something that he told me. He may have heard of somewhere else. No, you're not allowed to use other people's names here, Andrew. <laughs> Only I can. <laughs> but it was, it was, he said something to the, along the lines of, you know, and this goes to our, you know, problems of our profession is that we like to eat our young, as we say, because we're, we're always in competition with ourselves, even within, and, you know, too much. We have to, you know, keep ourselves down. But if you make your competition better that's better for you as well because if your doc if you know if you have a primary care doctor who might refer to three or four physical therapists if they refer to two of them and two of them are lousy then their whole opinion of the profession and the quality of the care we can deliver may be shaped uh incorrectly by that uh perception and so if you build up the the quality of your competition, you actually will help the, the overall outlook of the profession. And then that will be good for you in the long run as well. You know, um, I've never met Eric, but now that he said that I need to meet Eric and Eric's, <laughs> Eric's going to be my favorite PT for today, Saturday. Um, 
Yeah, that's brilliant. That that just that's such a brilliant mindset. Not only is it brilliant, but the second you said it, it was like, yes, I you know, and we don't think that way. But we always we always think, no, I gotta be better, I gotta be smarter than the guy across the street. And then you step back and go, what happens if we're both smart? And then he's a physical therapist. And then all of a sudden his practice is so full, he can't see any more people. Then he can go, I know this really other smart physical therapist and I want you to go see him or her. And then that smart, competent, evidence-based practice physical therapist gets full and they go, you know what? I know these other really good, smart, competent, evidence-based practice physical therapists. I want you to go see them instead of sitting there going, no, they suck. They suck. They suck. No, I'm smarter. No, I'm better. It's like, yeah, build it up. That That's brilliant. And and that that should be that that should be a a side effect, a positive side effect. I don't know what to call it. There's probably some term of then, like we said, marketing and advertising and branding your clinic is your branding physical therapist. And you gotta remember this as the as the provider of choice for low back pain. I'm gonna keep this to low back pain right now because that's really that that's the issue to be solved here. And something else Richard is going to talk about is why when we can solve such a big problem, and if we go from 7 to 8%, we'll all be so fucking busy, we'll wonder why the fuck we ever did this, and we'll go, wow, I can't believe I complained, I never had a patient, yet, you know, it's... It, we don't want to look beyond that 7%. So I'm, yeah, it, it's just baffling to me. And um, the good that will come out of that as physical therapists, as the entry point, and we have to stop looking at ourselves as the competition. It's so foolish. It's so foolish. And uh, you see it every day and we hear it every day. And I just try to squash down that mindset pretty immediately with that 93.7 number. It's like, you know what, if we all just deliver at the level we should. And by the way, I haven't mentioned a huge part of this issue. Sorry, a huge part of this approach to low back pain is we're going to have to deliver outcomes. And it only took me what, how long have we been speaking here? It's only taken me 33 minutes or a little less to finally bring that up at the risk of everybody telling me I don't care about outcomes and I only want to do what the patient asked for, which is getting to be such a boring conversation. And maybe you need to expand your conversations out a little bit. If you think that's what I believe, because we have to deliver the outcomes in this model. Um, because really the other thing I haven't mentioned is the guiding principles and the guiding light for physical therapist as the entry point for low back pain is the triple aim. And if you use the triple aim as the measure for you and for what we're doing, then you can't go wrong. And if you don't know the triple aim at this point, um, you need to look that up. It is delivering a decreased cost over a course of care. Thank you, Jim Hoyme at TPI. It's not decreased costs because then we're back stuck in this model of you should only be paid $45 a visit. No, if I can get a low back pain patient in early and decrease the cost by $10,000, then yeah, pay me fucking $1,500 for this course of care, which might come out to be, you know, $150 a visit. So it's not decrease my payment, it's decrease the cost of a course of care. And Jim Hoyme was the first one at uh, Therapy Partners that really
really put that idea into my head and I love that. And then it is deliver outcomes, deliver an outcome. And then it is the one nobody wants to talk about, which is the patient satisfaction part, right? So we have decreased cost of a course of care, deliver outcomes, and um, patient satisfaction is the triple aim. And if you use that as the guiding light, your North Star for this whole program, you can't fail. And the point of entry program we talk about has all those components in it. Yeah, and that's huge, I think, because that's, you know, you talked a little bit about that with Jeff Moore on the on the other on the other recent podcast, and that's kind of what you guys are doing with your course together is combining the patient experience with the outcomes and the delivery yeah. of, of high-quality Claire. Real quick, Andrew, another clarification. Would I have partnered up with Jeff Moore if I didn't believe in outcomes? <laughs> My God, that would have been like a death march or a death wish. Well, says you know, you become known as sort of the patient experience guy, and so it's that that's that's part of been a big part of your bubble. So people started you know downplay the outcome part, but you know going back to our interview with Matt Watkinson, and, that, and that's what he said was, um, you know, the the patient experience, the 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 customer experience is so important, but the customer experience without a good product or without a good outcome is not going to be very helpful. You, know, you have to have a good uh, product and then the patient experience in our, in our, in our, from our standpoint, and only enhances that and makes the outcome even better. But you have to have that good delivery of care great in addition to it. Yeah. Great point. And if you guys are listening to this podcast and you have not that Matt Watkinson probably needs to get played about every, once every four episodes, because really that was, and I love that it was early on in this because it really did set the foundation for every single conversation. And it was awesome that when I called you, Andrew, and we talked about how we're going to debrief on this call, the the idea of, well, you know what? I remember Matt saying A, B, and C, and it was like, yeah, you know what? You're exactly right. And that book and Matt is all the foundation for the patient experience within this. And it took someone outside of healthcare to go, no, you have to have the product, aka the outcomes, and then the patient experience uh, builds on that. So that that's the default for everything. And if you're if you need to ask or you're concerned or you want to call people out or you think we're only about giving the patient what they want, then you know you're part of the problem. Is what it is. So um, anything else? What, what else you thinking along these lines, Andrew? No, I mean, I think that's pretty good for this one. I didn't know if you wanted to just point out, uh, highlight the, uh, the upcoming talk with Richard and then your course with Jeff coming up uh, in November as well. So just make people aware of those again. Well, by the time this talk rolls out, we will have given the talk at PPS in Vegas. So um, obviously we're recording this before, but it'll be submitted after. That's my cuckoo clock. Um and that's his dog right on cue <laughs> that's awesome um the talk will be over but what, what i really wanted today to be about was maybe people who didn't get to the talk who've listened to richard's podcast or maybe people got to the talk to get some clarification um on this what point of entry versus a center of excellence means what flipping the funnel means what really all the problems that will be solved by by thinking big and solving a big problem which is low back pain and um again low back pain is is a financial burden it's a it's a emotional burden it's a burden at many many levels for people it affects many people um 
remembering that get PT first is about getting patients to the right entry point so that you can then get to the right provider because history has proven going to the primary care doc or going for an injection or going for an x-ray is not the right point of entry, does not treat the patient in the manner, does not set the course for the manner. And again, uh, all the Fritz research, all the child's research, we can pull that up for days and they've already proven that. So this discussion is, that point's moot at this at this time. So it's how to set up the process, how to set up the entry point for those low, low back pain patients. And that's what this is all about. Um, the conversation will continue because it's not just start the conversation. It wasn't okay. So, so here it is for you at PPS. There's a little spoiler alert, but it is after PPS, but you know, how are we going to how are we going to set this up? How are we going to give people support? And those are going to be the follow-up discussions because to leave PPS and just say, we should be the point of entry and flip the funnel. And here's all these things we learned and then not continue to share what we're learning. The patient engagement stuff is insane. It's, it's far greater than what I've talked about. Um, Richard has a data scientist digging into the words people are using so that we can make our marketing more targeted so that we can be specific to low back pain patients. And by the way, that'll be low back pain patients in your community, my community, every community. What words are they using on social media? Uh, I did pull up this article. This is insane. When we think about patient engagement, even though we thought we were going to wrap this up, Andrew, but there is this patient engagement part. So I, um, and there's a multitude of articles out there and I will have them ready for PPS and there, there will be an appendix and a bibliography attached to PPS. So um, if you were there, you got all that and we, we've got research and we've got data. I think we have more appendix and bibliography slides than we actually do presentation slides for all this information. But here's an article I pulled up just as um, Andrew and I were getting ready to go live here. Think about this for a second when it comes to patient engagement. Where are you going to engage people? How are you going to engage people? How are you going to stay engaged? That was something we didn't talk about. Stay engaged. So they're not in your clinic. Now what do you do? 84% of patients who responded to the survey of this uh, company that I found online, 84% of patients who responded to our survey use online reviews to evaluate physicians. And you say, okay, how are they choosing physicians? Yeah, good question. So they're looking more than three quarters of that 84% use online reviews as their first step in finding a new doctor. So now we're talking about what's going to guide my choice about who I'm going to call. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to look into credentials. I'm not saying they're not going to, you know, look for some data, but this is the first step. This is going to guide them in the right place. So if, so if people are writing that you guys suck, I don't care how much evidence-based medicine you deliver, they're not going to go down the path of choosing you. Because when the next review says their front office staff is awesome, they called me by my name, they always made me feel like it was about me, they're going to go down that path. And by the way, when that office is delivering the same evidence-based medicine that you are, they will continue to grow and grow and grow as you continue to sit stagnant 
um, getting patients at a trickle and then blaming everybody else for what's going on because you're not aware of your online presence, nor do you have any strategy in place to get to people and make sure and share with them what value you have, okay? Here, here's, the, here's something I love too, because as everybody knows listening, all my clinics are out of network. Nearly half of the respondents, so almost 50% of the, the people that responded would go out of network for a doctor who has similar qualifications to an in-network doctor, but has more favorable reviews. So you can argue with me about why people are choosing you. You can tell me it's always about money. You can tell me not everybody can afford it. I hear you on that. Yet I've got a survey right here that says half of this people surveyed said they'd go out of network. So what choices are you giving people? What discussion are you having with people at the front end of the engagement? And uh, so those three things are really, you know, when we get into engagement, things we have to start thinking about. The PPS presentation is not about engagement. It's about setting the foundation for physical therapists to be the point of entry. Um, Richard will share a lot of the data that we pulled off of social media sites, not we, him and his data scientists, sorry, not a we thing. And so then you have to start process, how do I use this information? Because 84% of the patients in this one study go online then 77% use it as the first step. So how am I going to set myself up in social media online to make sure that people keep clicking through and don't go, not going to use those guys. That's patient engagement from the very beginning. So those of you who think patient engagement starts when the physical therapist is sitting across from the patient will be left behind. Okay. And this is the discussion I have with most people. The future, the 21st, the 22nd century of healthcare and physical therapy. If you're waiting for the patient to sit across from you, you will cease to exist. Okay. Or you'll be in one of the huge consolidated hospital systems or some of the other consolidated systems that people find. But as this number goes from 7%, 8%, 9%, 10%, there are going to be so many people out there. And these survey numbers, the percentages may not grow, but the people in the survey grows. So 50% of you know, 500,000, 50% of a million, 50% of 3 million who say they'll go out of network, right? So that means they're willing to pay more. So, I mean, there's so many problems, again, as we talked early on, the trickle down effect of doing this and doing this properly will solve so many individual problems that we want to talk about that we believe live in their own little world and their environment. Oh, PTs and PT school solved with this low back pain approach. Oh, you know, I, you know, my competition is the PT across the street. No, nope, solved with the low back pain is the entry point problem. I think we talked about a couple other issues that will be solved, that will cease to exist because we started to take a different approach to physical therapists in healthcare. We started to focus on the triple aim. So I think that was not a bad rant um, after the point that Andrew said, I think we're done and I agreed we were done. So I think that was only about a 10 minute rant, which I've been known to go longer. So, uh, 
And now are we wrapping up, Andrew? I don't know. I think I think so. I I, I just came across I literally just came across a quote. Uh, I think that'll wrap it up nicely to uh, what you just said. And this is from Seth Godin, who both you and I uh, enjoy very much. And he says, "People do not buy goods and services; they buy relations, stories, and magic." Kaboom! And I think we'll leave it at that. So. Thank you all for listening. Um, This is good. Andrew and I knew this one would run a little longer than typical, but I think it's a topic that will continue and needs a lot of discussion. And I like the way um, we tied a lot of the issues back and I hopefully we defined some terms and cleared up for you how you need to start thinking because this is a mindset shift hugely. Whether you're new or old, it could be a... um, complete mindset shift. So we got to start that because we need to solve big problems. And this is a huge freaking problem. And um, you can still treat your knees and ankles. But you know, if you want to set up a niche for knees and ankles, um, just know where you fit into the system because low back pain is the big problem to solve. And if you want to be part of a big solution, then this is it. So I thank you for listening. Andrew, thank you for coming back. Great to be back. I didn't know if you were going to answer my phone calls after the last two episodes. I didn't know if your feelings were going to be hurt. But again, um, catch Andrew on Twitter at, where are you on Twitter, Andrew? At A Rothschild PT. Thanks for listening to Healthcare Disruption. Disruption. Powered by Updog Media. Join in the conversation. Tweet at Updog Media at Jerry underscore Durham. And at A Rothschild BT with thoughts. Head over to abdogmedia.com for more content.